Here we go, Farzim Sugin here with you for another episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Hope you're all having a great week. You may or may not notice with my voice, but voice is a little bit shot. Lost it earlier in the week. Uh, Getting it back, so I hope I sound at least the same to you guys, if not at least listenable. Uh, So uh, if I do sound a little different, I do apologize if... uh, sound the same to you then uh forget about what i just said the last 15 or so seconds but nonetheless got a lot to get into here on this episode of the chief zone podcast a lot i want to get into obviously going to preview the game between the chiefs and the steelers max shetman a good friend of mine and the former host of the steel pit podcast and doing some work in south florida he'll be joining me here later on in the podcast to break down that game we'll give our predictions uh and much more I'll just talk about the Le'Veon Bell situation as that seems to be getting uglier and uglier as uh, the days and the weeks go on for Pittsburgh. Uh, Very weird situation, and we'll talk about that as well with Max on board. I also want to talk about Pro Football Focus and their recent love affair for the Kansas City Chiefs. They've got a lot of positive things to say about the Chiefs. I mentioned that on social media, and I'll bring it up on this podcast as well. So we'll definitely get into that and the positivity there, and also an update on Eric Berry, what's the latest on his heel injury, I'll tell you guys about that as well in just a moment, I want to remind you guys, you can interact with me in a couple of ways, facebook.com slash Vesugian. that is the Facebook page, give it a like, follow me on Facebook, uh, give it a like, and like I said, we'll be doing the Facebook Live videos at halftime, and immediately following every Chiefs game, so... If you want to join in on that, please do so. Never too late to join in on that fun. I had a lot of fun doing that with you guys last year, and we're doing that again this year. And a lot of you guys joined in on the fun uh, for week one. Let's do it again for week two. Again, we'll do it at halftime and right after uh, the game uh, for every Chiefs game. Again, facebook.com slash Farzine Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and email me Farzine at Farzine Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the subscribe button, hit the share button as well to spread the word about the Chief Zone podcast. As always, we're going to do our closing segments. I'll tell you why I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick's success from week one is going to get very far. In fact, his great start might sound a bit familiar. Talk about Serena Williams and the drama that's been talked about quite a lot this week. Uh, One former Missouri Tiger shined this past weekend, I'll tell you guys who and what happened with him. And I'll also throw a couple of penalty flags. A uh, couple of players deserve the flag. And also, you guys know me with the flags. I love dumb burglars. I really do. But we found someone that tops the list. I'm excited to get into that later on. One other thing. Uh, something called the Harris Poll came out. I want to get into this later on for sure. Uh, very interesting. Uh, people were surveyed and they voted on some of the best, uh, best companies from different industries. And some of the companies that won certain categories definitely threw a curveball. I'll tell you guys what that is. You will not believe which company, uh, won best Mexican restaurant. You might be pretty pissed off after you hear this. So stay tuned for that later on. In the podcast. We'll get into the Chiefs in just a moment. But uh, real quickly. I, ju- I just want to 
uh, say, uh, obviously this past week, the 17-year anniversary of 9-11 took place. And uh, I I know a lot of times when people think about this, when when that day comes every year, a lot of people think of where they were and how they found out about this. And and I definitely remember where I was. Like a lot of people my age, I was in, in elementary school or middle school. Um, I do remember, uh, some, when we were waiting, uh, for, for school to start, a kid did tell me about this, about a plane crashing uh, into a building. And I, I, I didn't really think much of that. I, I, it was kind of just hard to even comprehend. Uh, and, and then we found out at, right as school was supposed to start at eight thirty, they called everyone to the uh, auditorium and our principal was the one who informed all of us. And then you have all these kids asking questions just wanting answers why things like this would happen and i mean mean, what do you do if you're a teacher or a principal who is uh trying to answer those questions the crazy thing about it i still remember my fifth grade teacher she actually had a friend who worked at the world trade center and you know i mean imagine this trying to do your job as a teacher but at the same time trying to be in touch with friends trying to figure out you know is, is, is uh her friend okay uh, she actually found out later on in the day that uh, her friend was running late for work and did not make make it to work on time. And you know, obviously, very fortunate for 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 her friend, given what happened on that day. Uh, but unfortunately, we lost a lot of lives on that day. Uh, and I've been very uh, lucky to, to attend a couple of the um, 9/11 games after 2001. They had it in 2005. And also in 2011, both in Kansas City. Uh, and that another one a couple of years ago, 2016 in Kansas City. But I, I, I didn't attend that. Uh, but I still remember um, the 2005 game against the Jets. Uh, kind of a special moment because it was a team from New York. Uh, and Herm Edwards was actually on the uh, other side uh, at that time. And just so many special moments before the game and during the game where they would show some video promos. And everyone at Arrowhead chanting USA. Uh, very special, and I remember the 10 year anniversary in 2011 when the uh, Chiefs and Bills played. And I actually do want to uh, bring up that game later on in the podcast for a reason. I'll, I'll get into the, the why later, but uh, I still remember seeing them put out that big flag uh, across the field, covering the hundred yard field as well as the end zones. And you had uh, you know soldiers at the game who held the flag, and then you had the cheerleaders and players from both sides, uh, from the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, that also held the flag as well uh, during the national anthem. So a very, very special moment for sure. And, and you definitely remember those who sacrificed their lives trying to save others. Uh, I, I think one of the cool uh, honorable moments I saw on social media, uh, two firefighters went to a Planet Fitness with their firefighter gear on, and they climbed, uh, I believe it was 110 flights of stairs uh, with their gear on, uh, on one of the uh, stepper machines, to uh, honor their friends who who lost their lives that day, trying to sacrifice their lives to help others. So you definitely remember the people, uh, you know, firefighters, police officers, and, and what they tried to do at the scene there, nurses and doctors at hospitals who were obviously swarmed unexpectedly with with something so tragic like this. So you definitely appreciate all those people uh, out there who, who do these kinds of things for a living um, and not making a lot of money either. Uh, I mean, that part's not a, not a secret, and... Uh, what they do, putting their lives on on the line every day, uh, just trying to protect people from horrible incidents like this. You definitely remember that, and and I I love the NFL's the um, the tributes that they did uh, for those uh, games that I saw, and I'm sure they did something else for the 2016 game, uh, and I'm sure they've done it uh, for all the other uh, 
stadiums where they had home games there. Uh, just very special to see. And it kind of does put things into perspective for sure. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, we'll talk football and we'll complain about our teams or we'll, we'll celebrate like it's one of the best things we've ever seen. But those moments also, I mean, they're always a good reminder of um, everything we're dealing with. And just uh, thanking those who, who do so much for uh, for our country and those who are serving overseas as well. Uh, the sacrifices they're making uh, because of what happened on that day. So definitely a, a, a moment, you know, everyone took some time to reflect on that earlier this week. One other thing I do want to mention real quickly, I know, uh, I, I don't know exactly uh, where listeners are spread out. I know a lot of people in the Midwest, some people outside of the Midwest as well. Uh, but if you are in the Carolina areas, and I know there are a few listeners in that area, uh, but if you're on the East Coast, uh, with uh, with that hurricane coming in, please be safe. Uh, obviously, don't even listen to this podcast. I mean, what are you listening to me for when you got something like that to deal with? But uh, you can always listen to the podcast later. But uh, you know, if you guys are out there on the East Coast uh, dealing with the storm, whether it's a hurricane part of it or, or the aftermath uh, a little bit uh, further up north, please do be safe with that. Uh, very uh, scary situation to be in. Uh, I've seen a couple of people on social media talking about how they're leaving their homes, uh, going elsewhere for for uh, about a week. And a couple of them mentioned that they're a little nervous, wondering, you know, what they're going to come home to. And and that the th- thought of that certainly very scary as well. But, uh, you know, obviously taking care of yourselves and getting the heck out of there, very important. So if you guys are out there on the East Coast, please do stay safe this weekend. I know they've canceled a lot of college football games uh, for the weekend uh, because of the storm. For obvious reasons, I know they did that in the NFL last year in the preseason game between Dallas and Houston with Hurricane Harvey. So uh, obviously those incidents take precedent and, and they come first. So uh, if you're out there, once again, please be safe as that all takes place this week. All right, I want to start off with uh, Eric Berry because I know that's the big story on everyone's mind. Everyone's talking about it. Uh, it seemed like there was optimism that Eric Berry would return to practice or at least play this week. So far, no game status has been posted. Uh, he did not practice on Wednesday. Still dealing with that heel injury. Real quick, just going over the injury report. Ben Neiman didn't practice on Wednesday either. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, but we had a lot of full participants. Kendall Fuller, Justin Hamilton, uh, Reggie Ragland, Daryl Williams. Uh, all dealing with different kinds of injuries, but nothing too serious. All of them were full participants in practice this, this week. So they're probably going to be listed as probable for Sunday's game, Ben Neiman, not exactly sure what the extent of his injury is or if he will play on Sunday. And with Eric Berry, uh, a lot of people are speculating about him. Some people think that he is done for the season and that there is some crazy injury that the Chiefs do not want to be upfront about. And there are a lot of people out there who think that he should be ready to return if he was, if, if they were unsure leading into last Friday what his game status would be. Maybe they feel like he could recover and be ready for this Sunday's game. And as of now, we truly don't know. All the speculation, I don't know where any of that is coming from. But what we do know right now is, and Andy Reid said in Wednesday's press conference, that they want to be cautious with him. And they'll play the long waiting game if they have to. And and look, rightfully so, I think that's the way you got to go about it. But I think it does bring up the, the, the topic of his contract. Signed that six-year deal worth up to $71 million. Uh, not this past offseason, but the offseason before that. And he has yet to play a full game since uh, since signing that deal. 
and I know that was handed by John Dorsey, different general manager. I don't know what happens. I don't know if he would be open to the idea of restructuring that contract because whenever he does, a lot of people are saying that this could be similar to Justin Houston a couple of years ago, and I can certainly understand that. But if Eric Berry restructures his contract and then plays lights out whenever he does return 100%, then you have another funny situation on your hands where he might want more money and try to ask for some of that money back. I don't know exactly how that'll work. Um, but man, as of right now, Eric Berry, uh, obviously not worth the price if he hasn't been available to play a full game. Played in one game. Has not played in any preseason games, nor has he practiced for an entire month now. And we have not seen Eric Berry uh, play an NFL game for a whole year now, more than a year. Uh, this is uh, this is starting to become concerning. And you obviously need Eric Berry on your team uh, because he can definitely make a difference uh, for that secondary for sure. Maybe could have gone a little bit better against LA on the road with some of those wide open receivers you saw downfield. Obviously, Kansas City lucked out given the... Butterfingers on those receivers. Uh, but man, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm concerned because I don't even know exactly what's going on with his heel. And I know they're saying that it is not the same uh, heel where he dealt with the uh, Achilles tear. But Eric Berry is injury prone, folks. I know a lot of people did not want to make that statement. And the topic of him battling cancer. I, I, I mean, they wanted to use that to talk about... Yes, he dealt with that, but even before and after his battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma, Eric Berry still had been dealing with injuries. In 2011, he had that torn ACL injury uh, that took place. uh, Certainly not good. And it kind of makes you wonder. And obviously, 2014 dealt with some uh, different injuries. Uh, Last year, the the, uh, Achilles heel ruptured. I don't know exactly... Why Eric Berry's been dealing with a lot of these injuries, but he certainly is injury prone at this point, folks. It, it, it's it, it'd be it'd be a lie to say he isn't, and I'm definitely not including the the what was it? I think it was the ten games he missed in 2014 dealing with Hodgkin. I'm not including that at all. I'm including I'm talking about the injuries that he's been de- dealing with before and after those incidents. Uh, I have seen on social media people have been kind of defensive of Barry because of his battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma. But but when you say he's injury prone, it has nothing to do with that. This is someone who has not been available for the Chiefs quite a lot in his career. When he has been available, he's definitely been worth it, no doubt about it, especially in 2016. Easily his best year as a Chief. But when you hand down that big contract and you haven't seen a full game from him yet, it does become concerning. And you kind of wonder, what, what should the Chiefs do? Is he worth going through and being patient with? And I certainly do think that's what you've got to do at this point. Eric Berry, as frustrating as as it is, injuries suck. Nobody wants to be dealing with these kinds of things. But Eric Berry is 100% a guy that you have to fight with and hope that he can come back as soon as he can. Look at Justin Houston. Why were the Chiefs so patient with him? Well... If you remember, he came very close to breaking the single-season sack record at one point in his career, and they're hoping he can return to that form. And that's why they've been patient, and they've kept him around in Kansas City. Same things go go, go for Eric Berry. The guy's done so many tremendous things for the Chiefs in his career, and they cannot afford to let him go elsewhere and succeed 
with another team when you need that success on your team right now in the secondary, especially with how thin the secondary is. So if I had to take a guess right now, probably not going to play this week, uh, but we'll see what happens on Thursday and Friday, and we'll probably have a better idea, and I'll certainly uh, keep you guys updated on social media and let you guys know what the uh, word is that the Chiefs are are, are giving on that. Uh, So hopefully we can see Eric Berry on the field, but I doubt it happens in week two when the Chiefs go to face the Steelers. Before we get Max Chapman on the podcast, one quick news note, J.U. Chasson no longer with the Chiefs, uh, claimed off waivers by the Washington Redskins, so he will reunite with Alex Smith and is now a member of the Washington Redskins, will be on a 53-man roster as uh, they put one of their wide receivers on IR for the remainder of the season. But one thing I really want to get into here, very, very cool uh, uh, rankings, I guess, thrown out there by Pro Football Focus. Everyone knows about PFF and the grades they put out there, the rankings they put out there for position players. And boy, did they really love the Kansas City Chiefs in week one. Tyreek Hill, number one ranked wide receiver by PFF. Anthony Sherman, top-rated fullback. Mitch Morse, third among centers. Pat Mahomes, fourth-best quarterback in the NFL, beating Tom Brady by uh, one spot ahead of him uh, by just one spot. Outside linebacker D. Ford, the sixth-best edge defender in the NFL. So this includes outside linebackers and defensive ends, depending uh, what you play in the 4-3 or in the 3-4. Uh, as far as other linemen go, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, 12th best guard in the NFL. And Eric Fisher, the 13th best tackle. This also includes left and right uh, guards and tackles uh, from, from both sides. So Eric Fisher, one of the best tackles so far to start the season. A guy who's been criticized quite a lot over the years and he's got getting off to a great start. Defensive end Chris Jones, 15th among defensive interiors. So that includes inside linebackers for both schemes as well as nose tackles, defensive tackles, and defensive ends only in the 3-4 system. And Chris Jones, uh, he's considered a defensive interior since he's playing defensive end in a 3-4 system. So he's one of the best defensive interiors to start off 2018. And Ron Parker, that big uh, interception he had definitely helped him him be ranked the 20th best safety. This includes strong safeties and free safeties. 20th best safety in the NFL. So nine Chiefs players were... Ranked in the top 20 by Pro Football Focus. I know defensively not the greatest game, but defensively there were some highlights, as I mentioned in the last episode. You had uh, you 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 had uh, D. Ford and Chris Jones do some things up front, disrupting the offensive line and winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. And you also had Ron Parker in the secondary make a big play, preventing the Chargers from getting another uh, score uh, in the end zone. So. Uh, I know defensively not the greatest performance. You're expecting better, but still some positive things came out from that defense that you can carry over to the following week and hopefully you can build off uh, while you do try to make those improvements uh, with the secondary uh, allowing open receivers to get through. Uh, bottom line, you know, I mean, there there is some success, a lot of success on this offense. Got to feel great about it. Pat Mahomes, all the concerns we had with the turnover woes and practices, and in uh, preseason games, well, we didn't see a single turnover from the Chiefs against the LA Chargers. They're going to be going up against a better defense in TJ Watt, who won Defensive Player of the Week honors despite being in a tie with the Browns. Uh, so they'll be dealing with him and some other key players for the Steelers' defense, who we'll touch on later. Uh, but speaking of Player of the Week awards, 
And we mentioned Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes has been named AFC Offensive Player of the Week. What a start to the Pat Mahomes era. And a lot of people are saying Tyreek Hill should have won that because he helped Pat Mahomes have the stats that he did. And certainly debatable. I'm sure Tyreek Hill was uh, another player who voters considered as AFC Offensive Player of the Week. I'm sure uh, you know those two teammates kind of went head-to-head in that category among voters. So, listen... I'll, I'll take a Chiefs player. I, I really will. If I had to pick an MVP for the Chiefs, I at least an offensive MVP, I probably would have gone with Tyree Kill in this game. But I, I, I can't uh, exclude Pat Mahomes either because he made some big throws in this game that helped the Chiefs win the football game. Uh, I mean, that nice dart to a fullback, Anthony Sherman. Uh, I mean, so many other great things. Obviously, Tyree Kill did his job there. I think I would have been more... Uh, compelled to have voted for him if I was a voter if he spread the ball out a little bit more but hey I mean four touchdowns is four touchdowns uh even on those weird trick plays where it was almost like a handoff essentially but it was a forward pass and that helped him uh, or an AFC offensive player of the week honors gotta feel pretty good with the start the Chiefs have players are ranked high your quarterback, young quarterback, youngest quarterback to start a game in franchise history, just won a big honor to start off his era as a starting quarterback in franchise history. So you've got so many great things to look forward to with the Chiefs. And I hope you guys are excited for that. And there's a possibility for the Chiefs to keep this going on the road in Pittsburgh. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email Farzine at farzimasugian.com. All right, so uh, I mentioned earlier, Max Chapman joining me here on the podcast. We actually recorded our segment a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, so some of the things, this is a little bit out of day, but not too much. Uh, everything that we still talk about is still fairly applicable to the game on Sunday. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation earlier this week with Max Chapman, the former host of the Steel Pit Podcast. Joining us right now on the Chief Zone podcast, it's starting to become an annual tradition at this point. Uh, it happened for the playoff game, and it's happened pretty much every uh, regular season uh, or in the postseason. The past, what, four or five years? I've lost count at this point. Uh, but he's a good friend of the podcast, a good friend of mine, uh, the former host of the Steel Pit podcast uh, over at thesportstuff.com. That's where this podcast once was for all of you longtime listeners. Who, have, uh, who are familiar with that and have been listening for a while. Uh, if you listen to other podcasts on that website, you are familiar with the voice you're about to hear in a moment. Max Shepman. Max doing some work for the CPS uh, affiliate down in the South Florida area. You've done a lot of stuff in that South Florida area with the media and radio and TV. Uh, but, man, you're, you're a busy guy, and I definitely appreciate you giving some a uh, few minutes uh, here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Welcome back in, Max. How have you been? Good, buddy. Hey, man. Well, like like you said earlier, man, it's, this is uh, becoming an annual tradition here. Once, uh, maybe even twice a year. So uh, it's always a, a pleasure to be on, and uh, of course, I always love being on. So I appreciate the time. Yeah, for sure. I don't think we ever we've ever had you on twice here. I think I've anticipated it because of a potential postseason rematch, but we haven't seen that just yet. But um, yeah, tell us a little bit what you've got going on, uh, how people can follow you on Twitter. I know I generally have your Twitter in front of me. I don't this time, I'll be honest. I uh, got a little lazy setting that, that one up, but um, which CBS station are you with right now? Uh, I currently work for CBS 12 in West Palm Beach. And how can uh, people follow you on Twitter if they want to follow you, follow your work? Easy, you know, just follow me at Max Shetman. I made a little bit of a 
my name change there. So, uh, you know, just Max, at Max Shepman, um, you know, latest uh, Steelers news there. So if anybody would like to catch up there, just follow me there. So as I said, Max Shepman had the uh, Steel Pit podcast over at thesportsstuff.com. I, I mean, I don't know a lot. I know that that website's still going on. I don't think they have a lot of podcasts anymore. But um, obviously, you know, you've had some uh, TSS alums graduate, guys like you and I uh, on there. And then you've got guys like Alex Reamer, who he, he's made some noise in the media every once in a while. Yeah, but yeah, maybe not the best look for Alex there. But, uh, you know, especially for me and you kind of kind of coming up from the beginnings of, of starting podcasting because, you know, we kind of started it when, when these things kind of really took off. So, you know, know, for, for guys like me and you and, and, you know, the other guys we were hanging out with doing the podcast, I think to see all of us, you know, continue in the media business and continue to grow and, and continue to display our passions for our teams and, and the sports that, you know, we care about. I think it's really cool that, you know, we all, Again, continue to do this, and this is all something that we're passionate about. So it's uh, it's really awesome to see all of us grow over the years. I know you've done a lot, and I've done a lot as well with media in Kansas City. I don't anymore, uh, and I've had a lot of people ask, like, you know, why am I not doing anymore? I, I was doing stuff with the Star in 610, and I'll, I'll address that uh, on a, another podcast because I've had a lot of people ask me that, uh, but I've never really took the time to address that. But um, uh, I, I'm not really doing much of that anymore, but I know you've been very active with that, and you're doing great things, which is awesome to see. Uh, I, I haven't talked to Dylan in a while. I, 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 I'm still friends with him on social media, and I know you are as well, but... Uh, gosh, I mean, I, I have to think he's like ecstatic for that Khalil Mack pickup. I know the Bears blew a big lead against the uh, against the Packers, but uh, I mean, having Khalil Mack that 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 has to be the most exciting surprise any team got in the preseason this year. Well, it, it's funny that you bring uh, you bring up Khalil Mack. Uh, you know, good friends with him. Uh, he was actually um, down here in Florida for uh, Fort Pierce Westwood. That's where he played high school football at. Uh, they retired his jersey, and, you know, before the game, you know, we're kind of talking with him, uh, you know, just about the Raiders' situation and, you know, what was going on there. And, um, you know, it was kind of funny when, you know, we kind of just found out, like, hey, you know, John Gruden, the new head coach there, really hasn't – really never reached out to Khalil during this whole uh, situation. And, you know, how, you know, just you know, a guy like me had more contact with Khalil and kind of just an updated – on the situation more than the entire team and organization. So, um, you know, you know, just getting to pick his brain and, and just, you know, see what his mindset was. And, you know, obviously wouldn't get into too much detail. You know, he said just kind of play it out. But, uh, you know, for what he did, the Bears game one, you know, people were like, oh, you know, two first-round picks and a couple more. And how crazy is that? But when you kind of have a a defensive player – like that to add to your to your roster. I mean, that's something that you have to take a chance with because Khalil Mack is no doubt one of the best defenders in the NFL. Um, and, and we saw that his first game with the Bears and just the impact that he had. And you know, I, I think he's going to have a really great career in Chicago. Yeah, it's got to be very interesting to see, especially with that uh, NFC North. I think there's going to be a big change. I think you're going to see the Bears or the Packers be the more competitive teams. Uh, whereas last year it was the Vikings and the Lions, so it'll definitely be very fun to see. But uh, coming back over to the AFC side of things, 
And this matchup that we pretty much just seem to be getting every year, whether it's in the postseason or in the regular season, just feels like it's turning into one of those non-divisional rivalries between the Chiefs and the Steelers. But more so on the uh, Steelers side of things, you've seen a lot of success here. But every time I have you on, at least in the past couple of years, it seems like there's always something, go- some, some sort of dramatic event going on with Pittsburgh. Last year, I, I think it was Antonio Brown who went off and-, and Todd Haley, former Chiefs coach, and now with the Cleveland Browns as an offensive coordinator, he was trying to break things up. I know that incident with Villanueva, uh, where he came out for the national anthem, but the rest of the Steelers didn't. And now you've got this year, the, probably the biggest dramatic story that the Steelers have dealt with is the Le'Veon Bell issue. Who, and a lot of people feel like in these holdouts, the player will eventually play. But Le'Veon Bell's not budging. And, and Khalil Mack seemed to be like he was going to be the guy who we just talked about, who was not going to budge either. I, I just want to know from your perspective... Knowing everything you know right now, and I know it's just one game, but seeing how James Conner played well and Le'Veon Bell, people are talking about, you know, did his stock drop? Did it go up? Did his trade value go up at least? Could the Steelers be more interested in that? What is your takeaway with everything you know right now up to this point with the Le'Veon Bell and the running back situation? Well, from my takeaway, I I don't believe the Steelers are going to trade Le'Veon Bell. I think if they were going or would have entertained that. I think that would have been during the off season. Uh, I don't think they were in the franchise franchise tag, um, you know, because I think in fear of him kind of being able to pick and choose where he would want to go. So, you know, if they kind of let Le'Veon hit the free agent market, who knows, he might end up with, uh, you know, New England or, or an AFC contender that could potentially hurt them down the road. I, the thing, I think the thing with Le'Veon is, you know, people say they need to pay the man. And when you kind of look at the contract offer that the Steelers, five years, $70, $70 million, they were, that's $15 million a year. The Steelers were going to pay the man. The problem with Le'Veon Bell is he wanted more guaranteed. And when you look at the minor, uh you know, the other details that came out with that contract, you know, the Steelers were only offering $10 million guarantee, which is the signing, the signing bonus. And the Steelers don't historically give out big-time guaranteed money. That's just not how they work. They will pay the big-time salary. You know, they were willing to pay uh, Le'Veon $15 million. They're paying Antonio Brown $17 million a year. They're paying uh, Ben Roethlisberger $20 million a year. So they're not afraid to pay, pay the big-time salaries. They're just not willing to pay the big-time money up front. And I think the mindset of the Steelers with this whole Le'Veon thing was, you know what, we'll franchise him. He'll come in the Wednesday before week one. You know, just the same similar situation that happened last year. And I think what kind of transpired here was once Todd Gurley signed his big money contract and saw him that big money up front, I think that kind of changed Le'Veon's mind of, you know, hey, if I can just kind of hang out and hold out and, you know, we we hear this in the news, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell's agent talking about how, you know, he wants to preserve himself, not, you know, rack up 400 touches in a year and preserve his body for, you know, when free agency hits, I think that kind of changed his mind of, hey, I might hold out for a couple weeks here and, again, preserve my body. That way I'm fresher when I hit free agency. So I think, again, once that Todd Gurley contract was signed and more and more players got paid, Aaron Donald, you saw, you saw Khalil Mack get paid as well, 
I think that changes mindset of, hey, why play an entire season when I could potentially hold out till week 11, play in six games that I'm required to, burn off that year uh, of the contract, and when I hit free agency, I'm fresher than ever uh, in a season. And, you know, I think, you know, in his mind, I think when teams see that, they'll they'll be willing to, to pay him that big guaranteed money contract. So, um, you know, I for me, I just think the situation is, is you know, I think Le'Veon's going to show up when Le'Veon wants to. I don't think anybody has a clear sense of when that's going to happen. Um, you know, from what I've kind of read and and reporters that I've talked to, I've heard, you know, the week 11, you know, scenario is a real possibility. And, you know, I, I saw that today. They uh, took Le'Veon Bell off the team's, you know, depth chart and take that with uh, what it's worth. But, again, I, Le'Veon's going to show up when he's going to show up. And, I just think this situation caught the Steelers off guard because I think they, you know, planned on having Le'Veon show up the Wednesday before, uh, you know, the Cleveland game, him playing in week one and, and carrying on the rest of the way. So, you know, once that Todd Gurley contract got signed, I think this, you know, this kind of just threw everything in the loop there. Yeah, definitely very interesting. And and you look at the situation now with James Conner, uh, who felt great in that game. And I know he had that touchdown celebration with the linemen that, I guess uh, Le'Veon uh, called out on social media, which I don't really want to get into that. But uh, overall, great game. Here's an interesting look at it, at his uh, rookie year from last year as a third-round draft pick. He had 32 total touches as a rookie, all of them rushing. In the game last week against the Browns, 36 touches, 31 on the ground. He actually leads the NFL to start off the season in rushing with 135 yards. Did lose a fumble. Uh, really rough game for Big Ben and the offense. Some highs, some lows. Um, they led at one point 21-7 to in the fourth quarter. The Browns rallied back fast. And, and, and towards the end of the game, the Steelers had a chance to make a field goal, missed it. And Cleveland had a great shot at sealing the game with just under a minute to go. But they, uh, the, the, uh, one of the Steelers linemen got, got a hand on that, uh, on that football not allowing it to, uh, to to go very far. So obviously that game ended in a tie. It, I'm kind of curious because I know Cleveland, they, they they were dealing with a 17-game losing streak, still winless. It's been a long time since they've won, obviously. But uh, gosh, I mean, even a tie kind of feels like a loss at the end of the day. Uh, I know record-wise, a tie is better than a loss. But man, it, it just kind of feels like if you draw with Cleveland, that, that that's definitely going to be a negative taste in a lot of... Uh, fans mounds in, in Pittsburgh is that how you kind of felt following that game I yeah I you know I I felt that way as well I mean I, I read a lot of players reaction on Twitter just talking about how you know how they felt like it was a loss how you know reporters around the team kind of got the vibe that you know this was a loss to them because again you are playing Cleveland uh granted they are better than last year they have Tyron Taylor they have Jarvis Landry uh you know Josh Gordon you know, back in the lineup. So, you know, I think Cleveland was a, you know, has gotten better with talent lines, but I still think, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not going to win the division. They're not going to make the playoffs, I don't believe. So, you know, I, I think for them is, you know, they were up 21 to seven, as you mentioned, and, you know, they just kind of let that lead slip away. And it's funny because, you know, with, the, you know, history kind of of this team is, you know, they kind of play down to the competition. You know, we see this, 
you know, kind of repeated nearly. I mean, last year you saw with the Bears, you know, when they lost in overtime, which is a game, you know, if they win last year, they maybe lock up the first round by and the first seed uh, in the AFC playoffs. And, you know, one, one win and one loss can, can deter something like that. So, um, you know, I think just the way the game ended, you know, also Ben Roethlisberger committing five turnovers, throwing three interceptions, losing two fumbles. I think, um, you know, that was kind of a shock just to see how many turnovers. But, I mean, when you look at it, you know, Ben Roethlisberger really hasn't been good on the road in a while. I mean, um, the last three years, he's he's 15 and 10 on the road, which is not a, uh, you know, very good record compared to 17 and 5 when he's at home. So, you know, Ben really kind of struggles on the road, uh, especially the past three years um, with this team. So, again, I think, you know, you brought it up. I do think, you know, the Steelers, you know, kind of are disappointed with their performance and how the, how the way things ended. But I do think, um, you know, they kind of, kind of felt, I don't know if relief the right word, but, you know, a little bit of, I guess happiness is, you know, that they didn't lose and that they did tie, you know, obviously an incredible job by TJ Watts to block, you know, that last second field goal attempt in overtime to, to, you know, kind of steal the tie. But, you know, I, I do think the Steelers are disappointed. You know, again, they were up 21-7 late in the fourth, midway through the fourth quarter. You know, it's it's kind of a lead when you're a team like that that has that much talent to, to kind of hold off. And, you know, you brought up James Conner. He obviously had a very good day. Um, but that one fumble did kind of hurt them. You know, it kind of brought Cleveland back in the game. You know, on that next drive, they, they go down and score. And, you know, I I think without that fumble, if James Conner maybe doesn't fumble, you know, the Steelers kind of put it away. But, uh, you know, things happen. And, and uh, you know, it, it it is what it is. You know, they, they start the year with a tie. And, you know, obviously they have to bounce back this way. I do want to get into some of the positives for Pittsburgh's offense because they do have some there. But I guess the, the biggest one, you kind of mentioned Big Ben. Uh, I mean, gosh, this was a rough game for him. Three interceptions. On on the last episode of the Chiefs Zone podcast, I did say four interceptions. It was actually three, but he did lose two fumbles there. Uh, And the offensive line, I don't think it gave him a lot of help either. He was sacked four times. Uh, Villanueva, Marcus Gilbert, uh, two good tackles, but they really struggled last week against Cleveland's defensive front. Miles Garrett definitely gave Alejandro Villanueva a hard time. And you look at the matchup that we're going to see this week, Villanueva going up against Justin Houston and Marcus Gilbert against Steve Ford, who uh, is rated very high on pro football focus to start off the season. Uh, Do you see a possibility of these two guys possibly struggling for a second consecutive week given Kansas City's front seven and how they looked at times against L.A.? I do because I don't think necessarily Alejandro Villanueva and you know Marcus Gilbert are the best tackles. And I think I think that's one area where I think the Steelers really miss Le'Veon Bell is just kind of, uh, you know, his help in pass protection. He's a very good pass blocker, um, you know, for Ben Roethlisberger. So, I, and, you know, with James Conner, you know, he's kind of struggled with that in the past. Obviously, he did – a decent job in Cleveland last week, but I think with you know Le'Veon Bell, you kind of get that aspect of of a very good pass blocker that can kind of help chip those defensive ends, um, you know, to help those guys out. So, I mean, obviously, when when you guys when you have a guy like Miles Garrett who has the potential to be you know an NFL Defensive Player of the Year, uh, you know that talent, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to win every battle, you know you go against them because, you know, with such a good talent, you know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But, uh, you know, you talk about Justin Houston, 
and and D Ford just talking. You know, they're very good defensive end, and and I think I think Randy Fittner will kind of see that, and I think they'll try to game plan a way to to give those guys help. That way, you know, Ben Roethlisberger maybe has that extra know second or two in time but I also think you know last week with the Browns I think he just kind of saw a little bit of the rush from Ben Roethlisberger there you know I don't I don't think his clock in the pocket was was where it usually is I feel like he was kind of holding the ball a little bit longer than than you know maybe he should have been and you know that could be a uh, you know a tendency of not playing in the preseason and not you know having the awareness right away uh, of the pocket clock and you know I think you know once the games go more and more and, you know, Ben continues to play, I think, you know, obviously he'll get back to where he was. So, But, you know, I, I kind of expect for, you know, the offense to, you know, kind of maybe, you know, throw an extra tight end or, you know, have James Conner, you know, maybe just help out block a little bit more, you know, just to just to maybe take care of that problem for, for the short, short term. Well, here is an area where maybe Big Ben, if he gets some pass blocking in this game, Boy, he has an opportunity to really do some big things. You look at Juju Smith-Schuster, five catches for 119 yards, no touchdowns, but Antonio Brown had one in this game and his nine receptions for 93 yards. So very almost had two well, 100-yard wide receivers in this game. And you look at Kansas City's defensive backs, they allowed a lot of wide-open players uh, for L.A. to get through. The problem was they were dropping passes wide open, could have easily been a long touchdown run, or uh, or even in the end zone, uh, he, he Rivers he threw a couple of great passes, but they were dropped. Uh, and if Kansas City secondary, and we'll see if Eric Berry plays. A lot of optimism he could be back, but we'll know more as the week goes on. Uh, maybe the defensive backs will be a little bit better and defending receivers. But uh, if if they looked the same this week as they did last week against the Chargers, boy. Uh, all all big big Ben needs is just a few minutes from those linemen, or not a few minutes, a few seconds, just from those linemen, and he'll he'll find someone wide open. I think that's where maybe Pittsburgh could do the biggest damage, kind of relying on Kansas City's weaknesses, and if he can just take advantage and and can get some pass blocking, that's where Big Ben can maybe bounce back and uh, just kind of rebound from last week's performance. Yeah, you know, no doubt, and uh, I mean, obviously. You know the the secondary is a little bit different this year. You know, uh, you know the question is who's going to guard Antonio Brown. Obviously, Marcus Peters isn't there uh, no longer, and obviously, you know he did a decent job on him last year when these two teams played. But you know, like I said, I mean, if Ben can find the time, I do believe you know these receivers you know can get open, and I think you know one kind of secret weapon that they haven't thrown out there yet is the uh, you know Steelers uh, rookie wide receiver James Washington from. Oklahoma State, you know, they're very high on this kid. He he's a he's kind of like a secondary Juju Smith Schuster. Just, you know, he makes those battle catches, you know, over the mid, uh middle of the field. He he goes up and high points the ball. So, you know, I, he's been battling an ab, abdomen injury, so we'll see what his progress is throughout this week. Um but yeah, I mean, the secondary for the Chiefs, you know, could get exposed if if Ben Roethlisberger has the the time to get the ball out. And, you know, I think we've seen that over the years is, you know, anything can happen with this offense through the air. Again, the the progression of Juju Smith-Schuster in his second year, obviously he's shown, you know, very good strides heading into this year. I know a lot of people were kind of worried about, you know, the sophomore slump and and that kind of thing. But uh, had a very good game in in Cleveland. And obviously Antonio Brown, he didn't crack 100 yards last week, but he had nine catches for – 
for 90-so yards. So, you know, I think once the passing game, again, gets more rhythm, I think once Ben gets that clock in his head, I, you know, I think the passing offense could be a very, you know, very good threat for them. I want to switch over to the defensive side of things. Kansas City's offensive line, uh, more specifically Eric Fisher, uh, Mitch Morris, a Mizzou product, and uh, LDT, they, they all played very great last week against LA's front seven. But even though Melvin Ingram was there, uh, Legio was dealing with a suspension. Joey Bosa missed uh, the game with an injury. And Kansas City is going to be facing a much better defensive front uh, in Pittsburgh. And on the road, you've got to consider that as well. But look at some of the guys uh, who shined last week for the Steelers that at least prevented the Browns from lighting up the scoreboard with all those takeaways they had. TJ Watt had four sacks in this game, five and a half tackles for a loss. Vince Williams with one and a half tackles for a loss. John Bostic might be the best inside linebacker to start off 2018. He had one sack and uh, two and a half tackles for a loss. So there were some really good defensive players on this front for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Kansas City's offensive line is certainly going to be tested if they were as good last week. Uh, this is definitely going to be a, a big treat for them because uh, they're going to have an opportunity to prove that they're even better than maybe what the stat sheet would show if you look at who they want up against in LA's defensive front. So this is definitely going to be a test. I'm curious what you think about the matchups there at the line of scrimmage with uh, Kansas City on offense and Pittsburgh on defense. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously, you know, on the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers, you know, the guy to keep an eye on right now is, you know, TJ Wiley. I had four sacks last week against Cleveland. And, you know, I think one big reason for that was kind of the switch that um, Keith Butler made this offseason was, you know, kind of flipping him and Bud Dupree. You know, Bud kind of getting the blind side and TJ, um, you know, getting the right side of the, you know, defense. And I think that's really worked well for him, you know, to, to be able to just rush the passer more and be able to use his pass rushing abilities to get the quarterback. And I mean, obviously with the, the front to front, you know, you got Cam Hayward, Javon Hargrave, and Stephon Tewitt, who, you know, could be very well be one of the best uh, defensive lines in all of football. So I think, you know, if the Steelers are able to get pressure, you know, obviously we saw what Patrick Mahomes can do. Uh, you know, he just tore up the, the L.A. Chargers, you know, defense. So I think that's going to be a good matchup is just, you know, how Patrick Mahomes kind of handles, um, you know, this blitzing kind of scheme that the Steelers have. Obviously, I think they want to try, you know, we've heard over and over that the Steelers want to use, you know, more man-to-man coverage. You know, Joe Hayden is, you know, kind of questionable heading into this game. He had a a grade one uh, hamstring pull. So his, his status is kind of up in the air for this week. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and, you know, if the Steelers can't get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, that, you know, kind of leaves Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, kind of do what he wants because, you know, the guy's the fastest receiver in the league. And, and to be honest, I, I, I haven't seen a cornerback that can cover him. And if you're leaving that to Artie Burns, I do like Artie Burns as a cover corner, but I don't think, I don't think he has the potential to match up with Tyreek Hill. And if the Steelers front seven, can't get to Patrick Mahomes to, you know, kind of kind of force him to, to throw down to the checkdowns or, you know, just, you know, quick passes, I think it could be a long day for that Steelers secondary. Um, you know, Sean Davis, who's playing his third position in, in three years, you know, he's now at free safety. He, he showed a lot of good range, um, you know, against Cleveland, but you're talking about a whole beast, another beast with Tyreek Hill who can really stretch your field. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting – you know, battle to watch is, you know, the, the pressure 
against Patrick Mahomes. Again, if, if Patrick Mahomes has all day to throw, I think he, he can kind of take advantage of this defense because, you know, they have added a couple players, but I don't necessarily think the defense is much better than last year's. You know, uh, you brought up the linebackers. You know, the inside linebackers is, is kind of a, a weakness for this team just because they don't have any kind of linebackers that know how to cover, um, you know, pass coverage. So I think, you know, the middle of the field could be open for Patrick Mahomes, um, especially, you know, with the linebacker situation there. And if Joe Hayden, obviously, you know, he's kind of an older guy, but if Joe Hayden is able to play, um, you know, he's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but I think with his experience could help that secondary in that situation. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just pressure versus versus time is it, kind of really, you know, the battle that I'm looking forward to. I want to know from you, last week was kind of weird for the Chiefs because Tyreek Hill went off, but Travis Kelsey, who might be the best tight end behind Gronk, he had one catch, was targeted six times, uh, he also dropped a pass in the game, and then you have Sammy Watkins, who seems to be resurrecting his career, and this might be a great place to uh, continue doing that because it, there's not pressure on him, you've got all these players around him, but he was pretty quiet as well, just a couple of catches uh, against the Chargers. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, when you have uh, this three-headed monster of Kelsey, Hill, and, and Watkins, and I, look, I'll even throw Kareem Hunt. I know he didn't have a very good game last week, but did lead the league in rushing last week. You know, And say what you want about Ezekiel Elliott's suspension. You can only go with with all, all the things that happened. Uh, Kansas City does have a lot of offensive weapons, but only one of the four really shined last week. I'm curious, what do you think, defensively speaking, when you look at that offense for Kansas City? Well, I think, again, it's, it, you know, when you bring up Travis Kelsey, you know, the Steelers have a history of not being able to cover uh, good tight ends, you know, well. I mean, obviously, you, see, you saw uh, with the Patriots with Rob Gronkowski. And, again, I think that's where the linebacker situation kind of comes into play here. You know, with uh, are they going to put T.J. Watt uh, on, on Travis Kelsey to, to, you know, cover him during pass routes? That kind of takes away from – you know, him and his pass rushing, you know, skills to get to the quarterback. So that's going to be, you know, that's an interesting way to see the game plan. I mean, do you put um, Mike Hilton on him, who who's their slot guy on Travis Kelsey? Um, you know, there, there's so many different options. You know, obviously, we, you know, Kareem Hunt is such a good back, um, you know, can also receive the ball as well. So, you know, again, it's it's the linebacker situation and just how that kind of plays up, plays out because, Again, with inside linebacker, you know, they're not – they have guys that can play the run, but they don't have many guys that, that have pat, great pass coverage skills. So, um, you know, if I was a, if I were the Chiefs, you know, I would kind of look to exploit that early on. And and obviously Travis Kelsey didn't, you know, have his, his you know, normal game or so. But I also think that's just kind of, of maybe the matchup there and, and obviously just playing a little bit more with, with – you know Patrick Mahomes and kind of building that chemistry with him. So, uh, I mean, I think I think the biggest X factor for the Chiefs' offense in this game is going to be Travis Kelsey. I think he's going to have a better game than he did last week, and and I think the the situation for you know the Steelers' defense you know kind of allows for that to, to for that to happen. Last question before uh, we get to our predictions: uh, special teams can't forget about that either because. The first time Kansas City touched the football, I mean, they, they opened the game kicking off to the Chargers, forced a three and out, and 
punting it to Tyreek Hill, took it all the way to the house. So uh, that, I guess, is kind of the expectation now anytime Tyreek Hill has the football. Uh, he did it on the very first punt return of the season, and uh, now can he continue to do that uh, on a weekly basis? Now, I mean, I know we, we're kind of spoiled with that because we had Dexter McCluster, who was good for a little bit in Kansas City. Dante Hull at one point had four uh, straight games where he took a touchdown back against the um Against other NFL teams. As a matter of fact, uh, now that we bring this up, the very first NFL game I attended was the Chiefs Steelers game where Dante Hall took a touchdown back against the Steelers. That was the first of four he had back in 2003. So uh, I still remember that very well. But definitely got to consider that. Uh, what do you think about the punting situation with Jordan Berry? Because you, you've got to put a strong emphasis on that because if. The two teams have a shootout, or if it's a low-scoring game, well, maybe special teams could be a difference maker, and I think that punting unit, uh, not that we discuss this often, but I'm sure coaches keep this in mind, that's got to be something that the Steelers coaching staff has to emphasize and make sure that they have Tyreek Hill kind of locked down and kind of make sure you've got a good strategy as far as uh, special teams defense goes to make sure you don't allow him to have a big game and maybe force uh, fair catches when he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when, you know, you saw this all the time with with Hall and Devin Hester is, you know, with those guys is you just don't punt it to them. You know, you, you kick it out of bounds, you, you kick a, you know, you punt it with, you know, a ball with six seconds of, of hang time on it. Um, you know, whatever you have to do to make sure that he doesn't have an opportunity to run that back because, well, like uh, like you said, you know, last week, you know, he, he took it all the way back um, to the house. So, you know, with with stuff like that, you know, that that stuff can change a game in an instant. And you know, again, it's either you know you you just corner it out of bounds, and you know you take what you know you get out of that, and and you know I think you just, at any at any cost you, you have to keep the ball away from Tyreek Hill because you know if he gets the opportunity to return one, he has the you know, explosiveness and potential to take anyone back to the house. And it's funny that you kind of uh, brought up special teams here. You know, I think one guy, you know, uh, Chiefs fans kind of keep an eye out, you know, is Ryan Switzer, the uh, the Steelers receiver who they uh, got from Oakland um, earlier this offseason to, to kind of handle, you know, punting and kickoff duties. You know, he had a impressive debut last week. Uh, I believe he averaged uh, about 19 yards of return and, and about 12 yards uh, on a punt, on punt return. So, um, you know, when you kind of look at the other side of the ball, you know, I think Ryan Switzer has shown kind of flashes of, of his ability to handle the punt and kickoff duty. So I think, you know, if he gets the right play, you know, he has the potential to take it back, um, you know, just from the, the small uh, demo world I've seen. So I think I think special teams, especially the punting unit, you know, could play in a big factor in this. And, and if, you know, if one punter – you know, just doesn't get all of it or, or he just has a bad kick, you know, it, that could be, you know, the potential to change the, the game right there. So it, that's going to be a fun aspect a lot. You know, like you said, you know, the punting game, we don't necessarily always pay attention to, but, you know, in a game like this, it, it could be the deal breaker there. All right, this is the fun part, getting to our predictions. And by the way, I, I forgot to mention this. It, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's Ian or Ian. Everyone wants to pronounce it differently. I, I believe a lot of people say Ian, but it's Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts. They're going to be calling the game. This is actually the second straight week. A Chiefs game will be announced by those two guys. So if you love them, hey, uh, you're, you're probably happy about that. If you hate them, well, then 
uh, you got to deal with it or just hey, hit the okay. mute button. Hey, it could be good luck, man. You guys won with them last week, so you know, just roll with the punches, right? That's what I said on Twitter, and everyone's hating me on that. But, uh, I mean, you, you can never please people sometimes. But anyway. Everybody uh, likes to troll people on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I read, I put up some uh, pro football focus stats uh, of just how highly graded the Chiefs are, and the Chiefs won last week. And the way people were complaining about the defense, you would think that they lost or something. It, it's ridiculous. But uh, look at it, Big Ben. I'll say this, and I don't know where your prediction lies. Generally, with our breakdowns, uh, and we've done done this a lot together. I can kind of tell what direction that you're probably going to lean in. This is kind of a very close one to call. Uh, and I remember last year the Steelers were coming off a loss getting ready for the Chiefs. Roethlisberger, I can't remember who that was against. He had a very bad game. And we know guys like Roethlisberger, Brady, when they have a very bad game like that, they definitely bounce back the following week. Uh, but man, the matchups here I think definitely could possibly spell a uh, struggle for the second consecutive week. Not exactly sure how this is going to go. I'm expecting better numbers from Roethlisberger. Uh, you know, maybe another touchdown pass or versus last week. He only had one, but as far as how many times he gets sacked, I could see it being very similar to the last week's total of four, uh, where he lost 22 yards on that total. And by the way, his rating was 22.8. Uh, I don't know if the chiefs are going to be able to scoop up three interceptions, but I know they can put a lot of pressure on him and force a lot of incompletions. Whereas on the other side of it, Kansas city's offensive line They've got to be ready because, you know, Joey Bosa was, uh, or not suspended, excuse me, he suffered the injury and it was Legion who was suspended. Uh, you've got a more healthier front seven with Pittsburgh. I've got to say, I think this one's going to be very close. I think both quarterbacks will struggle. I have said that I think Mahomes will deal with some issues in the first couple of games to start off the season, which this is his redshirt rookie year if we're, if we're looking at it that way, but. I think Kansas City comes away. I, I guess I'm being optimistic since I, I, this is a Chiefs podcast and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan, of course. Uh, I had this game as a loss before the season, but I feel much better considering what I saw last week from the Chiefs and what I saw from the Steelers last week. Now, teams are going to, of course, practice and get better week to week, but I think Kansas City can come away with a close one. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. I think people are expecting a shootout, given what Kansas City did last week. And the Steelers, You can, even though they had a bad game last week, offensively speaking, uh, you can never count out this uh, trio of now James Conner and what you have with Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown. I think this is going to be a very close one, but I'm going to go with Kansas City 14-10. I think they come away in a low-scoring game in Pittsburgh's home opener. Uh, where do you lean on this one? All right, hey man, I you know I've heard, I've heard from a lot of people too. You know, uh, you know, big time shootout. Uh, you know, I've heard predictions of you know forty five, forty, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I think one thing to keep an eye on. You know, for me, I don't I don't necessarily think you're going to get one hundred and thirty five yards rushing from James Conner um, consistently. So I I I don't think that he'll have as much as an impact this week as he did last week. Um, but I do, I do kind of feel like, you know, Ben's going to get back on his game, obviously, you know, and threw the record out there, you know, he's 17 and five, uh, in home games. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'm with you, man. I think, I think, you know, both offenses, um, you know, will, will have their struggles at moments just because I think, you know, talent on, you know, the defensive side of the ball is pretty good. And, and, you know, it, it just depends on, you know, who gets more pressure on the quarterback. 
And I, I think that's my, my biggest X factor there is just which defense can produce, you know, the most sacks and, and, you know, can make quarterbacks uncomfortable. And, um, you know, I think for me, I think it's like you, it's going to be a little bit lower, lower scoring affair, but I do have it a little bit higher. I think, um, you know, for my prediction, I have the Steelers winning 21, 17, uh, in a close one. I think, you know, the Steelers offense kind of gets back on track a little bit. And, uh, again, obviously the Steelers, you know, play very well at home. So I, I think that's why I give them the edge at. I'll say this. If the Steelers do win this game, I think it could be due to James Conner. I mean, listen, Kansas City finished near the bottom of the league in rushing, or, or excuse me, stopping the run. And look, if I'm Pittsburgh, I, I go heavy with that. If Roethlisberger struggles in the first quarter or even has another bad first half where he has three interceptions like he did going into halftime, man, I, I, I am not going to shy away. I'm going to go to James Conner and run heavy in the second half. I think you have to do that considering, and I know Kansas City's secondary showed a lot of holes last week, but if for whatever reason that changes within one week, man, I, you've got to run the ball if you are if you are Pittsburgh because I think that could be the difference maker, and that's why I'm really hoping Kansas City's new linebacking duo of Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens, Hitchens coming in from the uh, from the Cowboys. I'm hoping they can make a difference, but I definitely think that um, that rushing attack for the Steelers, if they win, that could be the difference maker. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I you know, from what I've seen, you know, read from James Conner, especially heading into the season, just just how much he's changed his, his body type and and you know his weight and and just the way he's prepared. I think. You know, a lot of people in Pittsburgh are very high on him, and obviously you saw last week just how well he was able to run the ball. You know, again, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna bust off for 160 total yards, but I do think you know he has enough you know with him that he will be productive. And you brought it up if Ben Roethlisberger struggles, I think you go right to James Conner and and kind of you know force that running game to to try to get the offense going. And I think, you know, even with Le'Veon Bell, if Le'Veon Bell was in there, I think, you know, the game plan would be the same. So, um, you know, I think James Conner will have a productive day. But I think, you know, for me, I think Ben Roethlisberger kind of gets back on, on his game here. And, and uh, the offense, you know, finds a, finds a way to just do enough to, to pull this one out. Matt, before we let you go, let everyone know how they can follow your work and how they can follow you on, on, on social media if they want to. So, yeah, obviously, you know, I work, uh, you know, again, the CBS 12 station uh, in West Palm Beach uh, covers sports uh, and local news down here as well. So uh, if you guys are interested in any insight in that, you can just follow me at Max Shetman on Twitter. Um, obviously, during Steelers games, I blow up people's Twitter speeds with uh, with some opinions. So if you guys are curious about that, you know, be sure to, to, to shoot, hit that follow button at Max Shetman on Twitter. Do it. Definitely worth it. Max, I appreciate you coming on, man. Always fun talking to you, even though I hate the Steelers personally, man. But uh, you're one of the cool Steelers fans out there. So I appreciate you coming on and making time. And, uh, hey, I, I guess we should probably just expect this sometime next year as well. Hey, man. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about it, you know, the past couple of years. Is, uh, you know, that playoff matchup. So, you know, who knows? The year's not over, man. It could be, uh, could be twice in a year. But, uh, obviously, you know, uh, always fun to hop on you with this podcast, and uh, you know, always love chatting it up. You know, Steelers Chiefs. So uh, appreciate the time as always, Farzine. Awesome, appreciate you coming on, man. Take care. We'll keep in touch. All right, there you have it. That was my conversation with Max Shedman from earlier on in the week. Always great having him on. A uh, good friend of mine, good friend of the podcast, and uh, always great to have 
uh, his knowledge and his insight on things. I know he's always been very accurate with his uh, predictions at times, uh, whether he's with the Chiefs, going for them or not uh, with his predictions, but he's always uh, been pretty accurate with some of the things that he's talked about with his analysis. So always great to have him on the podcast. So a big thanks to him for coming on uh, the Chiefs on podcast once again. Uh, so uh, if you want to follow him uh, or check out his work, there you have it. Uh, definitely recommend it. If you get a chance to do so, uh, look up his stuff online or uh, follow him on social media. Before we get to the closing segments, I want to get into this. couple former Chiefs players making some uh, some new, well, maybe not news uh, for one guy, but Philip Gaines. You guys remember him, the cornerback who could not cover anybody. Matt Connor, also a friend of the podcast, he posted a, uh, a tweet uh, basically just typing in the words Philip Gaines, and you can always do this on Twitter, you know, type something in and see... Uh, anyone who talks about, you know, NFL football for the past however many tweets, the most recent people to tweet about it, if you searched Philip Gaines during uh, during Sunday's uh, Bills game, it is just a bunch of Buffalo Bills fans who want Philip Gaines cut. I, I mean, look, I want to say I feel bad, but I don't because you're making a lot of money uh, just underperforming. You really are. Uh, I don't know what role Philip Gaines has to where he's playing a lot of snaps, but I guess he seems to have earned that with Kansas City and now with Buffalo uh, because that's obviously elicited uh, a big response from fans and wanting him cut and crying for that on social media. So you definitely have heard a lot about that over the weekend. One guy who I'm sure you guys have heard of, a guy by the name of Marcus Peters, who was shockingly traded away this offseason to uh, to L.A., the Rams, that is, Uh very interesting. He uh, gets a pick six to start off his career with the Rams. And then does the beast mode crotch grab in the end zone. Lots of Chiefs. And it was against the Raiders, but still a lot of Chiefs fans. Uh, that, that that They felt negatively about that. Felt a little bit better that he was traded away. Some Chiefs fans still miss him. They thought it was funny. Uh, some thought it was classless. Everyone had mixed opinions on that. And that was one of the big topics that was uh, discussed during the week was Marcus Peters and, and his actions against the Raiders. So if you want to join in on that, on that, never too late, let me know your thoughts. Are you are you happy knowing what you saw in Monday Night Football that Marcus Peters is gone? Let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzee Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, or you can email, email me as well, excuse me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. All right, time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. All right, well, we kind of talked a little bit about the drama with Le'Veon Bell, and he kind of took some shots at his teammates uh, before the season kicked off and during the game and whatnot. Uh, Here's another player who took a shot at his, not his current teammates, but former teammates, Des Bryant, during the Dallas Cowboys loss to the Carolina Panthers. Just kind of letting it be known and saying, look, he's not going to comment anymore on the Cowboys, but that's basically an indirect shot at the franchise in some shape or form uh just basically letting other people's opinions and retweeting some of the analysts out there and listen i, I get this point but sometimes uh, and i know a lot of people have used this example for the marcus peters situation but it's kind of like a breakup you know things maybe surprisingly came to an end but who really cares i mean at some point you've got to let it go and move on i think the bigger question is why haven't we seen des bryant on the field just yet you know he's capable of helping another NFL offense out there or making them even better uh, to, to some point. So 
I'm kind of wondering why is it that Des Bryant's working on social media but isn't doing any work on the field. I, I think that's my biggest concern with Des, with Des Bryant. But listen, I understand it's it's 2018. It's been like this for a few years in the social media era where we have athletes who are really just wearing their emotions on their sleeve and, and letting it be known how they feel about everything t- taking place with any dramatic situation that they could be dealing with on certain teams. I do want to take a moment and talk about the New Orleans Saints, probably one of the more surprising starts to the season in a bad way uh, when they just flat out got killed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, realistically speaking, I think a lot of people look at the Tampa Bay situation. They were the worst team in the South last year in the NFC South, and you're dealing with the suspension of your quarterback for three games. But what happens? Ryan Fitzpatrick goes off, or Fitzmagic as everyone wants to call him, and Drew Brees, not the Drew Brees that we're used to seeing on a normal basis, but that Saints team just really looked bad. And look, despite the loss, Alvin Kamara, phenomenal game. Three total touchdowns in this game. Nine catches for 112 yards, considering the fact that you had another 100-yard receiver in Michael Thomas in this game, also had a touchdown. Ted Ginn also got a field day through the air in that game, but looking at on the ground, the Saints only ran the ball eight times with Alvin Kamara. 29 yards, he got a pair of touchdowns on the ground, but you got to utilize that running game a little bit more, and I think that could have maybe helped make the difference in this football game. Uh, I mean, I understand there were times where, I mean, Gillislee fumbled at one point uh, who was let go by the Patriots this past offseason. If you remember, Gillislee was the only one scoring touchdowns for the Patriots last year in that NFL kickoff game against the Chiefs. Uh, Tom Brady was shut down in that game. No turnovers, but still couldn't do anything. Uh, And uh, you also had Thomas who fumbled in the game. You got to utilize Alvin Kamara a little bit more. Uh, He was obviously the rookie of the year, the reigning rookie of the year. Uh, a lot of Chiefs fans obviously disagree with that, but that's a topic for another time. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think a, a team like the Saints that has a deadly weapon in Kamara, probably very similar, it could be used similarly to Tyree Kill. You got to use him uh, in, in in a better way, and you know maybe you split duties with him a little bit, have him run a little bit more than catch. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the right answer uh, or the solution is, but. They've got to do a better job of using him, and that's something Sean Payton needs to take care of. One thing I do want to get into here, just a moment here, on the other side of the football, who the Saints were going up against, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic, as I mentioned earlier, that's what people like to call him. I I know he had a phenomenal game that landed him NFC Offensive Player of the Week honors, four touchdowns, uh, co-leading the NFL with Patrick Mahomes and touchdown passes, but I'm telling you guys right now, this is not going to last very long for Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you remember correctly, in 2011, he got off to a great start, and that start happened against the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you remember, that was the uh, 10-year anniversary of 9-11 I mentioned earlier uh, on the podcast. Uh, the Bills beat the Chiefs 41-7 to in that game. Fitzpatrick had four touchdown passes in that game. Sounds familiar, because that's exactly what he had against the Saints to start off the season this year. Uh, then he had uh, three touchdowns, one pick the following week. Uh, the Bills, he led the Bills to, to winning five of their first seven games, a 3-0 start to the season. He actually cashed in on a big contract with the Bills, a six-year deal, if I remember correctly. 
but that did not last very long. They quickly went on to lose eight of their final nine games to close out the season, only beating Denver in week 16. So I'm not buying into this Ryan Fitz magic business. I'm really not because I saw this before and Fitzpatrick, that magic's going to run out real quick, similar to how it did in 2011. Don't fall for this, folks. If you're a fantasy guy, take him if you want, but I wouldn't do it. Uh, I, I just don't think this is going to last very long for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's really how I feel about it. He may have another good game in the near future, but after that, I think it's going to all go back to reality, and we're going to be reminded as to why the Bills made a mistake giving him that gigantic contract in 2011. Let's go out of bounds. All right, I have a couple of quick stories, and then there's one big story I want to get into. That's actually going to take a little bit. Uh, first one, everyone's talking about the Serena Williams issue that took place over the weekend. She's trying to make the case that she went off and lost it because she felt like the umpire was sexist towards her. And here's the thing. she She's saying that she has seen other uh, male tennis players say worse things and have bigger tantrums and get less of a punishment for it. I will say I do think her fine is certainly more than hefty. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, she she had the illegal coaching penalty. I think that's – first of all, let me just say I'm not going to pretend, pretend like I know the sport of tennis. I see a lot of people in the media who are doing that. I'm not going to pretend like I know the sport so well. I actually have to look up a lot of things. But I will say – I do think that, I mean, the, the illegal coaching part, sure, I mean, she had to be penalized for that. That's considered cheating. And if she's having a tantrum because she was losing to to her opponent, who she fell far behind during that match, there's no reason to just go off on the umpire because you're not playing as well as you had thought. And I think that's something that she needs to take into consideration because she's talking about... You know, try to be a role model and, you know, younger kids are looking at... Younger kids can see the tantrums, too. So I think that's a hypocritical position to have at times. And I know she's trying to focus more on the sexism part, but look, I I don't think that there's any of that. A lot of people have come out defending her, but there have also been a lot of former tennis players who have defended the umpire, saying that he's been that way in uh, judging many situations uh, the same way, or or handing out penalties. I get where she's coming from, uh... I guess she's mad, but I'm not buying it. I think everything was handed out fairly, except for the fine. I just think that's a bit much. Other than that, I can't say I really do support her on this issue. One thing I want to get into, Tyron Woodley, UFC welterweight champion. And if you don't know who Tyron Woodley is, if you're not an MMA fan, uh, and if you're a Mizzou Tiger, well, get to know this guy a little bit. Because, and by the way, there are a lot of great MU Tigers out there in the sport of MMA, for those who don't know. Tyron Woodley's one of them. He is the welterweight champion. Knocked out uh, a guy by the name of uh, Robbie Lawler, for those who may not know. Phenomenal MMA fighter. And Tyron Woodley knocked him out to take the welterweight belt from him a couple of years ago. And he's had some good competition. He's been criticized for not being as active much. And he defeated a rising star in Darren Till, submitting him in the second round, delivering a big knockout, and then just dominating on the ground. Woodley's a phenomenal wrestler. And Mizzou is very well known for producing great wrestlers in the sport of, of, of combat sports. And Woodley's one of those guys. And the coolest part about this wasn't even the fact that he won. His uh, jiu-jitsu coach went up to him afterwards and put a black belt around his neck. 
uh, essentially giving him his black belt in jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is very cool. Dean Thomas, the, the coach who put it around him, and the photos of him just in shock and happiness. Uh, very, very special moment. I've never seen that before in MMA where a fighter earns his black belt after defending his title. And now we saw a Tyron Woodley made for a very special moment at UFC 229. Or 228, rather. 229, that's when Conor McGregor returns and he'll be fighting Habib Nurmagomedov. I do want to get into this because I mentioned earlier the uh, Harris poll came out over the weekend and there are some outrageous... uh, companies that won certain awards here this was uh, the vote was compiled the uh, polling was compiled uh basically 3,000 brands uh you could have potentially voted on it's the 30th year the harris poll, poll has been measuring brand equity 80 companies were awarded uh 80 different categories for brand of the year designations and uh i'm trying to see if i can set more than 77,000 u.s consumers were polled on this uh at their own time it took about a month to get everyone's polls back in uh, and they do this in ABC order by by award category. So, for example, the first one, Animal Welfare Nonprofit, goes to Best Friends Animal Society. Burger Restaurant, Five Guys Burgers and Fries. Mm, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I like Five Guys. I enjoy going there. Marty McDonald brought that up on the podcast before. Uh, car Audio, Bose and Vehicle Audio. Uh, casual Dining Restaurant. It's a tie between the Cheesecake Factory and Texas Roadhouse. So you get the idea. Uh, so here's an interesting one. Uh best coffee shop I would have put a hundred dollars down and said that Starbucks would have won but no Krispy Kreme is the best coffee shop uh, I've been to Krispy Kreme I don't think I've ever seen anyone over or, or excuse me order coffee uh, while at Krispy Kreme never seen that before uh, digital camera Canon uh, could have been either Canon or Nikon one of those two uh, factual entertainment the history channel footwear store DSW General Entertainment, AMC Television Network, that's the uh, channel that's broadcast shows like Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead, some of their top shows on that network. Ice Cream and Froyo Shop, Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream, I can get behind that one. Uh, Kids Television, for those parents out there, Disney Junior Television Network, I've, I've heard of the Disney Channel, I've never heard of the Disney Junior Television Network. Uh, so obviously, uh, Kids ent- Entertainment has changed quite a bit. Uh, luxury Hotel, Four Seasons Hotel and Resorts. This one, uh, oh, by the way, media streaming device, Amazon Fire TV and uh, Fire Stick for those who are considering cutting the cord. Here's the most outrageous one. Best Mexican restaurant, Taco Bell. Taco Bell is the best Mexican restaurant. I will agree with that if it's after 1 a.m., but still... Taco Bell, I mean, that's that, that's not authentic Mexican food. Those aren't authentic tacos. I, 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 I'm, I, this had, like, the people who uh, filled this uh, survey out, these polls, they must have been, like, people who were done with work after a long day and they decided to fill it out after midnight while snatching Taco Bell. Yeah, I mean, that, these, that had to be the crowd. That the Harris poll just unintentionally gave uh, or tried to survey or tried to pull. I just I just don't, couldn't see it any other way. Uh, a few other ones: mobile payment, PayPal, multi line insurance company, AAA Insurance, National Bank, Capital One, news service, BBC, 
uh, online banking, Barclays Online Bank, uh, Home Search, Zillow, Job Search, Indeed, uh, Online Travel Search, TripAdvisor, Package Delivery went to UPS. I think Amazon Delivery could take over in a couple of years. Uh, pay Cable TV Network, HBO Television Network, uh, Payment Card Visa. This one, I, I was intrigued by Pizza Chain. I did not know. I, I was expecting one of the uh, top delivery pizza places like Papa John's or Pizza Hut. But no, it actually went to Blaze Pizza. I, my brother and I tried Blaze Pizza for the first time this summer. Absolutely loved it. I've gone back once again. Uh, if you've never been to Blaze Pizza, definitely go. They have a few spots in the Kansas City area. Definitely need to go if you get a chance. Uh, premium hotels, the Marriott hotels, uh, smartphone devices, Apple, iPhone smartphones, smartwatch. I, I've come across a couple of people lately who have smart uh, watches. The um, uh, I, I, my mind's drawn blank right now. I, I don't know what they're calling it with the Apple. I don't. I don't think it's the iWatch, but I guess they call it the Apple Watch. Uh, it's just really not my thing. Uh, but the Apple Watch did not uh, win here. It's the ASUS ZenWatch smartwatch. Never heard of that before. I'll definitely have to look at that later on. Social networking site YouTube, sporting goods store Dick Sporting Goods. They've been around for a very long time, and there are a lot of options out there in the past few years. Uh, Shields, uh, Outdoor Academy, um, trying to think of another one. Uh, I, I know I'm forgetting one more big one, but there are a lot of, uh, sporting goods stores that uh, have come up the past few years. Sports Television, ESPN, kind of hard to see Fox Sports topping ESPN. Uh, Television Network, PBS Television Network, TV News, The Weather Channel. This one I was surprised by. I don't even think I know what channel, uh, The Weather Channel is on DirecTV, uh, because don't, don't people now just look at their phones on the weather app or uh, they'll download an app that they like? Uh, I, I, I was expecting CNN or Fox News, but I guess uh, the Weather Channel. Uh, a lot of people still watching that. Video streaming subscription. Uh, yes, there are a lot of options there with Hulu and Amazon Prime, but Netflix still uh, superior in that one. Virtual personal assistant, a tie between Amazon Alexa and Apple Siri. Very, those are the only two I actually know of. Uh, although I'm sure there are other ones out there that maybe aren't as good, but uh, couldn't think of any 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 others other than those two. And then uh, the last one I'll read: wireless carrier Verizon topped the list. If you want to check it out, just Google the Harris Poll uh, 2018. I'm sure they have it in years past, but check it out: Harris Poll 2018. Uh, they surveyed these people earlier this year and just recently put together the uh, results. And uh, I saw this uh, mentioned uh, on some of the local news stations on social media. Taco, they mentioned that Taco Bell was voted best Mexican restaurant. I have no idea how that's even possible. But I wanted to touch on that on the segment. I know I went a little long with that. But uh, definitely some interesting ones on this list. So if you want to see everything else uh, mentioned on here, all of the 80-plus categories and the companies that were uh, voted as top brands, check it out at theharrispoll.com. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. All right, I got to throw a flag at Matt Ryan. Uh, the Falcons had an opportunity to be the second team in a row, essentially, to take a road win from the reigning Super Bowl champions, spoil their Super Bowl banner. And when given the opportunity, uh, when they were at the goal line, Matt Ryan, four chances, four downs, was sacked on one of them, and then overthrows his receivers. 
in the end zone every single time. Then, due to a penalty on fourth down, the Falcons got one more chance with just a couple of seconds left. Ryan still overthrows everybody in the end zone. How are you going to win a game when the game is on the line and you need a touchdown to win? How do you expect to win a game if you're overthrowing everyone in the end zone? I thought Matt Ryan was a lot better than this. Certainly very shocked to see what he did. And that earns him a spot on the penalty flag segment. And I've got to put this one on here as well. Blown leads. Uh, the Bears uh, at one point led 20 to nothing in Matt Nagy's first game as a head coach of the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky, things were looking a little good for him. And then Aaron Rodgers, when he was on a cart, leaving the game, then magically comes back, everything just fine. How does that ha- I don't even know how that happens or what vitamins they gave Aaron Rodgers to magically feel so good. I mean, you, people want to say Ryan Fitz magic. Yeah, you, we, we've got to find like some sort of magical nickname for Aaron Rodgers. That, that was magic right there, what he did. What looked like a season-ending injury, and he comes back in the second half to lead the Packers to a come-from-behind win on Sunday Night Football. Uh, not sure exactly how he did it, but hey, he did it, and uh, Packers are very fortunate. It looked like it was going to be the second year in a row they would deal with the loss of Rodgers, but not the case. And uh, for the Bears, man, I don't care if Rodgers came back. You cannot blow a lead like that. And that is what they did in the second half. All right, I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. You guys know me. If you guys have been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know I love talking about stupid burglars, especially on this segment. And I've said this before. I, I feel like every week I find someone just even more more dumb to put on this podcast. I don't think I can find anyone worse than this guy. So a guy who, not that it matters, but he had a Denver Broncos sweater on, uh, goes to a place of business. I, I didn't read up on this. I, I just saw the video of this. Uh, I don't know if it was a bank or, or, or some uh, business office, wherever he went. Has a gun in his hand and points it at the lady at the front desk. The gun, he, he tried to, while aiming the gun at her, Tries to climb over the counter. Gun slips out of his hand. Goes straight to where the woman is. She quickly picks it up and points it at his direction. The guy takes off for his life. Probably ran faster than Tyree Kill. As soon as she got a hand on that gun. And listen, I, I, I never condone burglaries in using guns in this manner. But look. If you're going to use a weapon, know how to use it. Don't do anything stupid. I mean, I I don't know what this guy's motive was or what his intentions were. but, but, But the guy just absolutely looked like a moron. And hey, look, at the end of the day, whatever act he wanted to commit, couldn't do it. Um... And thank goodness, I, I mean, I, you all, you always laugh at stories like this when something really bad is supposed to happen, and the only person that has something bad happen to them is the guy who wanted to commit a, a terrible act in the first place. So it, it's all fun. I mean, I hope the guy was caught and all, but the guy's gun slipped out. I mean, and look, if you, I'm sure everyone's gonna make some sort of Denver Broncos joke, like a fumble, just like the Broncos season. I mean, I don't know. 
Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly why, you know, where where this was. Maybe in the Denver area, but uh, I'm not going to draw any correlation to that. Just a little bit funny. He had a, a Bronco sweater on. Uh, but come on, if you're going to use a weapon, whether good or bad, if you have the weapon, if it's under your name, know how to use it. Just know how to use it. No reason for you to own something, a weapon or or non-weapon, and not know how to use it. Completely inexcusable. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Appreciate all of you guys downloading and listening to this preview episode. A big thanks goes out to Max Shipman once again for joining us, as he does annually now on the Chief Zone Podcast. And also a big thanks goes out to all of you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to the podcast, making this podcast part of your day. Hope you guys enjoyed another preview edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. NFL season now in full swing. Everyone's played at least one game. And the Chiefs, one of the hotter teams in the NFL to start off the 2018 season. Can they carry that over to another road game? Keeping that road trip going, this time in Pittsburgh. And I think there are some good reasons to feel optimistic. I think maybe you see just a bit of a more quieter offense on the scoreboard. But I do anticipate activity from other players in this football game. So I definitely think the Kansas City Chiefs offense and this is something Patrick Mahomes has to do get more players involved get the running game involved let Kareem Hunt go to work let Spencer Ware go to work and I think you'll see that against the Steelers and listen I know that the Steelers especially when they're led by Tomlin after a bad game they come back strong the following week but man with the way they looked against Cleveland in this year You've got to make sure that you can do what Cleveland did, except do it 10 times better. Because I think that possibility is there for the Chiefs. As always, let me know your thoughts. Interact with me on social media. Facebook.com slash Farzine That's my Facebook page. Give it a like. As always, we will do a Facebook Live at halftime and after the game. So please join us on the Facebook page. Again, that is facebook.com slash Farzivasugian. Like that page. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And send me an email, Farzine at Farzivasugian.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play. Share them as well. Let your friends know about the Chief Zone podcast. Appreciate you guys once again listening to the podcast. I'm going to take off. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football action if you're On the East Coast, stay safe with the weather there. I'll talk to you guys on Sunday.